said earlier, this is going to be a bit, bit different than one of our typical services because we're going to be hearing, hearing about and praying for our graduates today. This is the work of the church. This is our liturgy today to, to pray for and encourage um, the young people who are graduating high school and heading on to either a job, to trade school, to college, to, you know, doing nothing in their parents' basement for a couple of years, whatever. Whatever you guys are doing, we're transitioning and parents are transitioning. Um, I was thinking when we were worshiping, I'm so glad that there are some people here who graduated last year and the year before and are visiting from, from college. We're so grateful to have them here. And I was thinking, you might be this, the secret weapon of prayer today. You know what to pray for, for people that are coming, um, coming into this next phase of life. And we have a lot of, a lot of young people that are here today that uh, just finished their first year or second year of college. So I'm thankful to have you here for your perspective. As we are going to be hearing from each of the graduates and, the, and their, their plans for the future and praying for them, I thought it would be good to share a short message on the introduction of Paul's letter to the Philippians. And this is a letter that models for us praying and how to pray, kind of like the Lord's Prayer does. For me, the, the, the linchpin of this prayer of Paul's is he has supreme confidence that God is not just a beginner of the work he's, he starts in someone's life, but a finisher of it. He totally believes that. From prison, as things are going poorly, he, he has confidence in the work of God and the lives of the people he's praying for. And I think this is the kind of person we want to listen to when we're praying. Someone who doesn't have fear but trusts in the Lord despite uh, difficulty. Um, we don't need to be afraid as we set off to transitions in life, as we transition to empty nests or emptying out nests, and as, as young people transition to the next phase of their life. Because God is a finisher of the work that he starts. If we abide in Christ, we can expect to bear fruit. And that's a great thing. God is with you. You know? Graduates, parents, God is with all of you. Haven't been, hasn't been too terribly long, in my opinion, you know, since I graduated high school. You know, 20, gosh, 25 years ago? It's been a long time. I'm getting older. Um, but I certainly remember it. I haven't forgotten that feeling of graduating and going off. For me, I went off to a community college, lived with my parents, and then went off to college um, later in my junior year. At the time that you do this step in your life, it feels like the, the final leg of your journey, you know, this, this like journey of growing up. You're growing up, and you have all this promise of a future in your heart, you know, of, of finding a career or a job, a skill, perhaps finding a spouse if you, if you are looking to get married maybe have, have a family, um, making not just childhood friends, but adult, lifelong friendships with other people. We have all these dreams in our hearts. When I, when I arrived at college and my parents dropped me off for orientation week, I'm just surrounded all of a sudden by kids my own age. There's hundreds of us, clue, equally clueless. We don't know what's going on. We're all just here together. Um, and we're all dreaming of a future, but not really knowing exactly what we're doing, just taking a step. This to be, uh, I, I definitely felt this way when I went to college. I also felt this way when I worked, got my first real job in a warehouse. Um, like things are changing, this is different. You're gonna spend hours with people you haven't met that you'll meet in your jobs, in your school, in your college. You're going to make noodle ramen with them with your drip coffee maker while you watch Simpsons all day, which is what I did in college when I wasn't studying. Yes, we did make coffee in that same coffee maker, but it was also good for making ramen. And caffeinated ramen is better than uncaffeinated ramen. 
it feels like the last big step of growing up for us, but really it's just another beginning, right? It's another beginning, the beginning of the adult process of stepping off of the treadmill of this is what we, we know what's next, we know what's next, we know what's next. College or, or a job or trade school, it's, it's, uh, it's what's next. And, uh, it's, and, it's, and, and after it lies, all kinds of things we know nothing about. Um, there's not, it's not predictable. We're not going from 8th into ninth grade this year. We are graduating. We're plotting a course, and we're doing it. We're kind of responsible to do it for ourselves, which, which is a jarring thought, um, that you're going to be influenced by what you think you should do, even as people are influencing you around you. It's you blazing a, a path forward through the woods. The good news is that for those who are planted in Christ Jesus, you aren't actually alone. You're never alone. You're never alone. There has been someone with you your entire journey of life, before you were born, who had a plan for your life, and he also had an end for your life, a goal for your life that is reflective of your unique talent, temperament, gifts, and particular sets of skills and intelligences. Um, there is a creator who made you the way you are on purpose, as we heard this morning. And there is a creator who wants to, who is going to bring you to the end to, towards which he is calling you, whatever that end might be. Whatever that end might be, whatever those ends might be. You are planted in Christ. You are never alone, despite being in a new transition. But we see in today's passages Paul's complete confidence in action, that God is at work in the lives of those who are in Christ Jesus. And that Paul is exclaiming so loudly that he who began this good work in you will complete it. And for this reason, no one really has to be afraid. I was listening to a podcast a few months ago. They were interviewing Chris Webb, who wrote the God-Soaked Life book that we did in our church a couple years ago. He was originally from Wales. He has a great Welsh accent. Then he lived in England for a long time, where he still is. He also ministered in, in the United States for several decades, I believe. And the interviewer asked him a very interesting question, fascinating question that's really stuck with me since I heard this question. In, in, the interviewer said, as someone who's lived all over the world, including substantially in the United States, England, Wales, around Europe, what trends have you noticed in the Christian church in the United States that maybe the church is not aware of, but which characterizes the church from an outside perspective? And he thought for just a, a quick moment, almost just to take a breath, and his answer was fear. And he elaborated, you know, quoting him as well as I can here, he wrote, for some reason, Christians in the United States are fearful. And I don't know why that is, considering that we know what the outcome will be in the end, that Jesus and God's love will prevail in the creation, that all will be made right. So why are they so fearful? And I thought to myself, that is true. There's a lot of fear in the church in the United States that resonates with my experience. Sometimes people behave like there isn't a God. There isn't a God in heaven who is unhurried, unworried, unbothered, not even remotely anxious, just sitting on his throne as things transpire. And for this reason, we see that the number one command of Scripture is, do not be afraid, which it says many, many times in the Bible. Many, many times. As you embark into a trade, a career, an internship, a job, or you embark into college, graduates, do not have to be afraid. Parents do not have to be afraid. 
I'm going to listen to this message when my kid goes to college and preach it to myself, because I don't know what I'm talking about, right? My kids are little, but it's coming. I can see it. But, but you, one thing I do know is you do not have to be afraid. God is with you, and if you remain in him, your life will unfold according to his plan. Not always easily, but sometimes in surprising ways. Do not fear, for God is with you. As I read in that verse earlier, do not fear, for I am with you. I've called you by name. You are mine. I will strengthen you. I will help you and uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's God's word to you. God is with your children, parents. If you remain in him, and he remains in you, you bear much fruit. Let's read through this passage just as we prepare to pray for our, our graduates. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus and Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you in all of my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion till the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer. This is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. Now this, this prayer that Paul is praying from this Roman jail cell, um, he, he's, he's saying, you are God's holy people. You are people that I, I have devoted your life to God, have begun something with God. Um, and so I'm writing to you knowing that both of us are in the same boat. We all have been recipients of this grace. And Paul expresses his great joy even in the midst of great uncertainty. God has a plan for those who have devoted their life to him. He, he offers this greeting of grace and peace. He says his, he prays with joy in his heart for the Philippian church always because of their partnership in the gospel with him. He's confident. He longs for these Philippians uh, with, with the love that Jesus has for them. Despite missteps and sins in the Philippian church, Paul is convinced that if these people are overall committed to God, God will make sure the work he began is completed in them. You know, Paul is confident. He says, I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy, confident that he who began a work in you will bring it to completion. Now, as a devout Jewish man, when Paul says, I pray for you always, he's saying, I pray for you in the morning. I pray for you in the midday. I pray for you at nighttime patient confidence, without fear, even though you're surrounded by these corrupting influences and you're a small, persecuted church, um, you don't have to pray in fear because there is a confidence in the work that God has begun will sustain and bring to completion. Now, this is good news. Um, as kids are being released from their households of origin, um, if, a child, if God has begun a work in their life, you should pray, parents, without fear morning, in the afternoon, and night, that God's work would be brought to completion in their lives, along with Paul. You should pray that despite steps, missteps, uh, that, that everyone makes, victories and failures, holiness and sin, that 
God's work will be brought to completion because his grace is sufficient for them, just like it was sufficient for you when you were young and heading out into the world. For graduates, you know, if you are in Christ, Paul would say there's nothing to fear. You can go forward into your job, your internship, your trade school, any kind of further learning you do, or college, without fear, for God is with you and has grace for your journey, specific grace for your journey. And nothing can separate you from his love. God is with you. His grace is enough for both our successes and failures. We end just looking at this powerful prayer that Paul prays. He says, This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ Jesus, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. One thing I want you to notice about this prayer is that the first and, and primary thing that he prays for is that their love will abound. Parents pray a lot of things. Students pray a lot of things. I don't know how many people regularly pray that God's love would abound in their hearts or in the, lo- in the hearts of their children, the people they love. But Paul gives priority, because he's not fearful, remember, to the idea of love. Paul knows perfect love casts out fear. Fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears cannot be made perfect in love. We're made perfect by love. Not primarily knowledge or wisdom that we gain in life or street smarts. Maybe that's backwards from how we pray. We pray for the, the, the former things and forget the most important thing. But we, we should pray that, um, that love would abound in our hearts or in, our, in the hearts of our graduates, that God would add to their love knowledge, love filled with knowledge, and wisdom, wisdom filled with love. No matter where they go, no matter what they learn, that they would grow in these ways in the love of God, that they might be able to discern what is best for their lives, what's pure and blameless, what God is leading them to do. Despite missteps and sins, God's grace is enough for each of us who are in Christ. And God's grace is enough for all of our students as they graduate and learn wonderful things. As it says in Hebrews 4.16, let us approach God's grace with confidence so we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. As, As people encounter their time of need, as they graduate and move on, as nests are emptied out, there's grace for all of us to find. No matter how long it's been since we went to the well, he says, approach the grace of God, approach the throne, receive mercy, find grace. So as we hear about the graduates, their future plans, let's pray for them without fear that God, God's love would abound in their hearts, that they would grow in love through knowledge and wisdom, that they might discern God's presence and will for their lives, that God would bear the fruit of righteousness in their lives and bring to completion a few more steps forward the work that he's begun in them. Because God is not just a starter, but a finisher of everything he does. I'd like to turn this over to, to Jen now as she brings us through the, um, the kids who are graduating and shares with us. So uh, I'm going to take a minute and ask you for a little bit of grace this morning. I was super prepared, and as things tend to happen. I had some overwhelming experiences this morning. They were good ones. They weren't bad ones, but they they were good ones for the first time in a really long time. I had a whole bunch of my kids at my sign-in desk. I had graduates, soon-to-be graduates, and and not quite graduates, and we were just all talking and hanging out and having a great morning, and that was just 
so filling to my heart and my soul, and that was awesome. And but threw me <laughs> threw me out of my rhythm. And then I have a former Sunday school teacher sitting here in service today, which brought back a whole lot of a lot because it was a very big influence on my life. And so I'm thinking about how how, how that was a big part of everything too, and and going. Wow, I, re I remember exactly sitting at the table in the upstairs of First Baptist Church listening to Mr. Hopper tell me about different parts of the Bible and doing sword drills and, and just his, his love for the Word of God and how that impacted my life and how I still take that with me, and I, I hope I am passing that on. And, and that's huge because he's sitting here this morning. And so there's, there's just a lot going on. So... I'm just going to ask for a little bit of that grace this morning because, again, best laid plans, right? You're ready to go, and uh, good things like that come along, and it just kind of throws you a little bit out of whack. But, again, love this day, bittersweet day. Love it because we get to celebrate some really awesome people. Bittersweet because we are sending them on a little bit, and that's kind of hard sometimes because we love them, and we don't always want to let them go. But we know that there are good things ahead of them today. So um, Nate has shared some wonderful things. I just wanted to add a little thought of my own in there quickly before we take a few minutes to recognize these awesome people and spend some time praying for them. Um, Julie, I do want to thank Julie for doing an awesome job with the newsletter, with um, highlighting each one of our graduates with a cute little picture of everybody. Um, we'll be sharing a little bit more about their future plans in a few minutes, but a lot of times at this point of graduation, we like to look forward and the plans, and, and we like to reference Jeremiah a lot, right? I'm sure. Who can say it with me? Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know, come on, everybody. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, Right? plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And and at this point in our graduates' lives, there's so much looking ahead, so much looking forward, and that's really great. And, and it's it's comforting to know that God has a plan and a future, and, and there's good things there. And I think that's a really important thing to do. But as I was praying for what God wanted me to share, I was like, is there something more that we can add there? What else do you want? What else do you want the kids to know? And I think it's important as, as their graduates are leaving this place that they remember their identity and not just their basic identity, but their identity in Christ, their identity in God. Who does God say that you are as you go? Because all these future plans and all these things are good, but we want to be sure that you're, you're grounded in who you are in God before you go. And so, you know, at this point, you may be identified in a lot of ways, a lot of things. You might be identified by your family. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're a brother. You're a sister. Maybe some of you are cousins or aunts or uncle. I mean, that's a way you can be identified. You can be identified by the things you do. You're a soccer player. You're a runner. You're a musician. You're a wrestler. You're an artist, right? Those are, those are ways you can be identified. You're an almost high school graduate. You're an almost college freshman. You're a young adult now. 
you're almost independent. You know, there's all those ways that you can be identified, right? But what does God really say about you and your identity? What does he call you? Who does he say that you are? So as you move on, the one thing that really kept coming to me as I prayed about this was the verse in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. That is just one of my favorites. And so I'm going to read a couple different versions. The first um, from the ESV. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. I also like the New Living Translation that says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. And so I just want to take a minute to break that down a little bit. When you think of workmanship, what do you think of? We think of a creator. We think of skill. We think of intent and design. And, and the word masterpiece. That's not something simply just thrown together, right? When we think of great works of art, masterpiece, what do we think of? What do you think of? Something exquisite. Thank you, Marianne. We think of um, the Mona Lisa. We think of Beethoven's symphony. We, we think of a lot of things that took a lot of effort, a lot of design, a lot of intent, a lot of high-level skill, right? It wasn't thrown together. And that's what you are. Every one of you sitting in front of me right now, you are a masterpiece, which also means you're unique, right? Because there's people that have created multiple masterpieces, but none of them are the same. None of them, they, they were all created by the same person, but they're not the same. They're unique and they're purposeful, right? So, again, a masterpiece is, is a work of outstanding artistry made by a creator. And when you think our creator is the one who's made the tiniest, most annoying insect ever, right, up to the biggest whale, and, and thanks to Bita, I know that there's flowers that look like birds and birds that look like flowers, because she posts those pictures all the time, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I never knew those existed. Those are so cool. And God did that. And the, the beautiful landscapes and sunrises and sunsets and stars and everybody sitting here. And even though there might be people who look like you, there's nobody exactly that looks like you. And so as the world tries to tell you your identity and tries to define you by the things you do and the way you look and the people that you hang out with and the job that you have, they really hope that you remember and really pray that you remember you are a masterpiece made by the creator of the universe. And furthermore, you're made new in Christ Jesus. If you've accepted that gift of salvation, you've been redeemed and you're made new. And there's a lot more to that that I'm not going to get into today because that could be a whole long time that we don't have. So I'm going to skip to the next part because that's really important. And the fact of the matter that the youngest people in this church pick things to say for faith stories today that go exactly with what I had to say. <laughs> I was getting up there playing, wait, Naomi, I wanted to say that you were made on purpose. That's what I was going to say. Wait, Elias, I was going to say God's the beginning and the end. 
thank you, Jesus, for pulling it all together for me before I even got up there today. But that's what I really like about the end of this verse in Ephesians, right? So we can do the things he planned for us to do long ago so that we can walk in those things that God already planned for us. Being at this stage in your life, right, we gotta, we think we have to figure it, figure it out. We've got to come up with a plan by ourselves. It, we need to do it. We, we need to figure out our purpose. The thing is, it's already figured out. The plan's already in place. The purpose has already been set long before we even knew. Your job is to just seek out the plan. Your job is to just seek out the purpose and to be flexible to know that the purpose is probably going to change a lot of times over time. You're going to start in one place, and, and the purpose is going to look different as you go, but the purpose is already there, and the plan is already there. And, and your job is to spend time with God to figure that out. Not to figure it out by yourself and go, okay, God, here's my plan. Are we good? Instead to say, okay, God, what's the plan? And not to just ask, because that's the easy part, right? It's easy to go, okay, God, what's the plan today? The hard part is to sit in silence and be patient and wait for him to answer. And so that's what I would kind of leave you guys with today. To, to do those good things that he's planned before, to remember that you are the masterpiece created by the ultimate creator, renewed and made new in Christ Jesus, to walk in that plan and that purpose that he's already designed for you so long ago. Take comfort in that, rest in that, be intentional and seek that out as you go. Thank you all for joining us in celebrating our graduates today and taking the time to pray for them. I would encourage you over the summer to check in with them as they're getting ready to go and as they come back and visit. Check in and see how things are going. Keep praying for them. Please don't make this a one-shot deal. They need us now more than ever. So I just really want to send you out with a quick blessing this morning and um, I just really feel it's fitting with everything we've talked about today with prayer, with sending people out. So May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace as you go this week. Amen.